welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Coming up, the latest on the manager's job as Danny Cowley is heavily linked. Uh, we hear from Lee Bullen and Dominic Iorfa. And at knew you, love or hate, we have the results. Uh, first though, QPR. Um, well, I mean, this is the first time since we've started this podcast where Wednesday have had a kind of a sustained sort of bad spell. Um, in fact, probably since Yoss left, this is kind of like the worst period of form that Wednesday have have kind of had. Really, it's it's been pretty kind of positive in the, in the time since um, Yoss left. Saturday, I don't know what you think. It kind of it felt it's kind of felt like everything just falling apart a little bit on Saturday. Looked like a team felt, that felt like the, uh, the sort of the end of an era. Well, things have gone downhill, let's face it, since Barnsley, the last four performance, last four performances have left a lot to be desired and they've gone backwards with the team and I don't think anyone would dispute that and uh, Lee Bowen very much laid into the team after QPR, that second half performance particularly, it was unacceptable and they were lethargic, created little and QPR looked as if they wanted it more and were hungrier and sharper and in all honesty I think it flattered Wednesday that they were ahead I thought at half time I don't think they really deserve to be ahead at half time um, so no I, I don't think they can really take too many positives at all from the QPR display now obviously we know that Tom Lees was injured in the in the warm-up I don't think there could be many teams, you know, that have as many players injured in the warm ups Wednesday do. It seems we seem to have one every every month. Dominic Iorfa comes in, so we've got the centre back pairing of Iorfa and Borna. On paper, to me, that looks a little bit wobbly. You know, Borna fairly new to the English game; he's adopted adapted to it well, but still, Iorfa maybe not a natural centre back. Um, so just a slight kind of you know worry on paper about how the, how those two would would kind of fare. How how do you feel that they did? Uh, first half, I thought that they did okay, uh, but then if you can't really get past the equaliser without mentioning or looking at the fact that Dominic Iorfa he switched off. He's lost Jordan Hugo, uh, who I think in the second half he, he buoyed them. And Hugo looked a top striker and back to somewhere near his best. And he took his goals very well. But yeah, they looked like a defensive pairing that hadn't played so far this season. I know it's easy to say with hindsight, but having seen David Bates in action against Rotherham and he was not originally in the match day squad for QPR. And I know that it was last minute uh, on Saturday, but... Would it not have been more logical to have put David Bates in alongside Julian Borner when ha- when he's just played a couple of days before? And I I don't think tiredness really would have been a factor. You know he's he's twenty two and he want he's come here to play games. Where so to me it would have been more logical to have put David Bates in there. I know that they only found out ten minutes fifteen minutes to go before kick off yeah. that Tom Lee's was out, but. I just think surely that would have made more sense uh, rather than David Bates going on the bench and starting Dominic for there, where he's not played in this this season. I know he's played matches at centre-half in pre-season, but completely different in a competitive match uh, where the pressure was on for Wednesday to get a result. I heard a couple of people say that um, 
in that situation when someone drops out of the team quietly on that you can only promote someone from the bench there's some rule or other that means you can only move someone up from the maybe bench and then it put was that else on the, I, i'm on the not bench. sure on it, that. it did seem mm. it didn't seem all that logical i can understand why you put i offer on the bench over bates in terms of um his versatility and the number of positions that he can cover is a very useful guy to have on the on the bench but when you're looking at a centre-back pairing it surely makes more sense to have Bates starting in that mm. position than what, I offer. What did you make as well James to the fact that Moses Odebajo wasn't in the 18 either? I was a little bit surprised that he dropped out completely um I'm not. I'm not surprised he wasn't in the starting eleven. He was left out of the Rotherham match. We should say that as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I, and, and in a way, I can kind of, I can kind of understand it. You know, depending how many defenders you're going to have on the bench, how many defensive players you want on the bench, would is I offer a better substitute than Odebajo is in terms of that versatility. Odebajo, that's, that's the logic. You're can, not going to have, have Iorfa and Odebajo on the bench. Probably not. Just one or the other of them, isn't it? Yeah, I see that. Odebajo can also play right wing. And seeing as though Wednesday went to four four two at the weekend, that yeah. we might come on to in a bit more detail shortly, then I suppose he gives you that flexibility as well. But uh, when you then also throw in that Liam Palmer, who has played so far this season at left back, and then you've moved him to the right hand side. It, it just, for me, was a little bit like there were too many changes. And I know one was in full, so I do have sympathy over that. Tom Lees was a big loss. And also, if you put me on the spot, do I think that Wednesday would have conceded that first goal to Hugo if Tom Lees is on the pitch? I don't think they would have done. The, the, there was also, I think, quite clearly an issue with communication as well. Yeah. Uh, and an issue with leadership. Um, I'm... I don't, you know, I, I I didn't watch Barry Bannon enough to be able to kind of see if he was kind of, you know, acting any differently with the armband on. I think he's he's quite vocal anyway, but it's a different kind of leadership when you're captain. It's organising people, and and it's generally always suited a centre half, hasn't it? That that role, mm. uh, you kind of want both your centre halves to be doing it anyway. It doesn't matter who's wearing the captain's armband, um, and. I think it's it's still very early for, for Borna to be kind of taking that leadership role. We've heard Tom Lee's talk in the past about how sometimes he forgets and just barks stuff at him in German. Um, and I offer, with all due respect to him, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that kind of exhumes those leadership qualities when you when you kind of hear him speak he doesn't mm. seem to speak with that kind of authority that that you need your your leaders to do so i just yeah. thought that that back four um liam palmer's obviously got got a bit of experience morgan fox seems like a, a slightly quieter footballer as well um and probably for both the goals you can just see the communication just wasn't happening it must have been frustrating for for kieran westwood as a guy that is always talking that he just didn't seem to be getting very much back from that back four true and when you look at the winner uh, I, I i do feel a little bit sorry for them in the sense that hugo was offside when the ball's gone through to manning but with the offside rules it is he's not interfering in that first phase uh, and so it, it's He's good striker play then. He's got back level for when Manning's put the ball in. Uh, so I, I know that there were certainly fans in the South stand who were unhappy with it. Uh, but I, I think that that is the law as it is right now. And I, so maybe that needs to be tweaked. Yeah. I was fuming about it because as far as I'm concerned, he he does 
he he motions towards going for the ball, then realises he's offside, puts his arms up and stops. He'd already set off to go after the, the ball. Now, not necessarily made any progress towards it, but that mm. was his intention, realises he's offside and, and stops. Um, and to me, it's still the same phase of play. The cross isn't blocked. The cross goes straight to him and he scores. So to me, it's the same phase of play. So I think on two counts, that should have been offside. But it's kind of irrelevant. It's kind of yeah. papering over the cracks yeah. because if Wednesday had got a draw out of that, game it would have been very 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 fortunate absolutely yeah and uh, yeah we should mention too that the referee was very fussy oh, and his some of his decision making was poor i don't actually think the standard of officiating has been great so far this season i thought you know the, at preston we didn't really mention it but it wasn't good at preston either not a lot went wednesday's way and and we're not just saying that as we're, we're rooting for wednesday i thought that consistency levels for both teams not great uh, so yeah, you got to hope that that's going to improve. He, he kind of ruined the game, didn't he? The ref. It was it was obvious at half time that this is not a game that is going to let mm. any kind of flow build up or anything. And and you know, I mean, obviously we look at this very much with with Wednesday tinted glasses on. Yeah. But um, I thought the, the penalty. I, I you know watched back the replay yeah. and just thought I, I can't soft. really see what what what's going on there and. Yeah. Um, you know, we we know that if Forestieri feels a nudge, he's going to go down. That's the kind of player. You know, that's that's what he what's what he does. And fair play to him. If you feel a nudge, then you go. But no, it's it's yeah. quite unusual that refs will give something that that yeah. soft. I thought Wednesday, yeah, that was a home decision, and they and they got away with one really there. There was minimal contact on Fernando Forestieri there. Uh, so I think that Grant Hall, the QPR defender, I would have felt aggrieved if that had gone against yeah. me. He didn't seem to argue very much though. No, he didn't, but. Uh, I, I I would have done. I think, I think that rest there's probably very little yeah. point. You're more likely to pick up wow. a yellow card for arguing than anything else. Exactly. Um, I mean, as the saying goes, you know, we'll take it. Um, can you remember your kind of thoughts at half time? You touched on this earlier on, actually, where you kind of said that you, you didn't. Get, I mean, I remember at half time just thinking, all right, you know, it's it's not going great, but these are the kind of games that you grind out the wins. And at half time, it was kind of going according to plan there because we had another couple of chances in the first half we, we could have mm. had another goal or maybe a couple in the in the first half but they always looked dangerous I thought on the break James that was the thing that I always thought that they carried a threat and I, I thought Eze who I mentioned last week he was actually quiet by his standards but I was really impressed with Chair thought he caused Wednesday a lot of problems in between the lines uh, Hugo bullied the defence as well and Naki Wells had his moments great pass through in that second half for Hugo and uh, QPR's opener, but I, I just expected more from Wednesday. I, I, I thought that it was an ordinary showing in that first half, and I went into half-time thinking, right, they've got the noses in front, I expect them to kick on maybe similar to the Barnsley home match, but it just didn't materialise, it yeah. didn't happen. Um, so, second half is when it went really, really wrong. Um probably the worst 45 minutes of the season in fact probably easily the worst 45 oh, minutes of the, of the definitely. season and again probably the worst 45 minutes in some time really for for Wednesday um it, it's it's quite difficult to not lay criticism right across the park because there were very few people I th thought that came out of that game with 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 much to um to their credit and again I'm going back to what I said last week and I've harped on about this a little bit recently midfield just just not not there. It's not something's not working. I know we changed the formation. We went to four four two. Clearly, that didn't work. No. Lee Bullen said after the match, we'll, "We'll hear him in a bit." Kind of admitting he holds his hands up. That didn't work, and um, he got that wrong. But that midfield should be doing better. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you've got to remember that Wednesday have, so far this season, I think the average age of the team, it, they have selected the oldest group of players in the Championship, right? So what you'd expect from that is senior players to be standing up more and delivering. And I, I, I think that there are too many who've underperformed. In Wednesday losing three out of the last four, I don't think enough of them are putting their hands up. And I think in that second half, for me... They let Lee Bowen down badly. They really did, right? You know, they didn't uh, perform as if they were really wanting Lee Bowen to get the job. That's almost how it felt. Uh, I think watching it, that uh, they were, I, I just thought passive, uh, and it there was there was a real lethargy about that performance, and there was no energy. Look, I you know I I think that the players. Um, deserve a lot of criticism Lee Bowen's had a, a plenty of flack too uh, and I think some of that is justified the formation change he held his hands up as you said uh, and also I, I think it was too for me uh, and I wrote this earlier on in the week it was reactive rather than proactive from Lee Bowen and I think that's what uh, I thought on the day he got out Fox by an experienced championship manager I thought that at one all he had to make a change to either the, the personnel or the shape, the formation, and he didn't. And instead, he went to three-five-two only after QPR had taken the lead. And by then, it was too late. Let's get a, a quick word now in from um, Dominic Iorfa, um, and he gives us his view on the goals. First time we had the ball, and we gave it away sloppily and counted. And then the second one, again, guided the cool side, and then switching up the runners, similar to like the first one. So it's just one of them ones. You know, there were sloppy goals come from our possession as well. It's quite Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about it. I think we can both agree that the two, in different ways, they're both bad goals to um, concede. Kind of touching back on what you were just talking about a moment or two ago, Dom. Um, substitutions. Now you defended Lee Bullen last week when we talked about substitutions. You, you you thought that I was a bit harsh being critical of him. Um, I'm going to be again on on Saturday. I kind of thought they were way off, and it felt to me like it was the football equivalent of of just throwing some mud against the wall and seeing what sticks. I, I didn't feel that there was any kind of strategic thought, even much in the way of kind of tactical thought behind the substitutions. Um, you know, kind of, you're losing, so taking a defensive player off and bringing an attacker player on, you know, that's kind of what I'd do on, you know, football manager or something, but that doesn't work at this level. It needs to be a little bit more strategic than that. It needs to be better thought out. You need to change the, the shape. You need to change what you're doing, and that doesn't necessarily mean you just need more attackers and less defenders um, and ultimately it didn't solve the problem it didn't and Luongu who I thought was unlucky not to start yeah. he only came on the pitch against his former club after QPR were 2-1 ahead and, and like I said before the formation it should have changed and uh, for me for long periods of the game QPR outnumbered Wednesday midfield and and they won that battle hands down and I thought actually that Barry Bannon started off reasonably well uh, and then lost his way and Sam Hutchinson I think in the last few outings uh, has not performed to the standards that we've come to expect uh, and and so that's why after the international break 
I think particularly in midfield, Lee Bourne has got some big decisions to make. My my one of my worries with this is that players like Hutch, Bannon, all of them really perform better when it feels like that team is a well-oiled machine. And when Wednesday play badly, it's because there's individual parts that might be working to an extent. You know, what Hutchinson does, um, he, he generally always does pretty well, but it needs to be part of a wider machine for it to, to work. Kieran Lee not being on the pitch is something we've talked about before, and, and I think that's something that we really lack when you've not got that player that's, that's putting the work in that Kieran Lee does. That's, that's connecting those bits of, of a team together in the way that other players can't really do or don't do as, as well. I don't know what the answer is to all this. Um, it's really easy, isn't it, when you've just lost a game to say, well, actually, you should have played Kieran Lee. That's an easy thing to, to say. But we've we, he's got to figure that out. And this is something, uh, we're getting into a wider discussion here, but you know, if Lee Bullen is going to be a manager, whether it's here, wherever it is, these are... Relatively basic things for a football manager to be getting their head around. Uh, I'd say it's a, a tad harsh. I, I felt how how have we gone backwards? That's what I don't understand. How how were we playing better earlier in the season, or were we just running on adrenaline earlier in the season? Has it actually not been that great all season? And it's, we've just papered over it by scoring I goals. I thought it was good. Like I said last week, I thought that in the first two matches they turned up and there was an identity that I thought that was being formed and that. Wednesday looked as if they were a team that were capable of playing on the front foot and with intensity and aggression and tempo and that's what we've wanted to see from this team over the last couple of seasons but they've regressed and they've gone backwards and I don't know what it is with loss of confidence maybe a few players perhaps not being 100% in knowing their roles in the team Uh, Tom Lee's getting injured you know you can't legislate for that that's going to knock any team when they, they lose the captain uh, and and he is I would say one of the le- more you know one of the leaders in this team I would say that he's certainly in in defense he's one of the more vocal ones so that was clearly going to rock them and that was going to unsettle everything uh, but I, I come back to what I said before that I still look at this senior yeah, there are some senior members of this group and um, they've been here a few years and Fernando Forcieri was handed his first start of the season. I don't think he took it. And also, I think there is a bit too much of an element right now of it almost feels as if at times Lee Bourne are trying to accommodate players or trying to make keep players happy. And it, he is in a difficult situation uh, as he doesn't know whether he is going to be the manager in the long term. So to some extent, it, it's hard. You know, as right now, he's, he m- must be thinking in the back of his mind, so am I going to be the manager for the long term and I can properly put my stamp on things? Or who knows, maybe in another week, two weeks, few days, whatever, he might be going back to being just a coach. So maybe all these things that you throw into the melting pot has led to the situation where it's disappointing that Wednesday going into this international break in 11th place as you feel as if they should be a lot higher than that. Yeah, um, we'll we'll talk a lot more about the manager situation shortly. 
I do have to kind of say it does feel like Saturday, maybe it's because it was going into an international break, kind of just felt like a real sort of like watershed moment, like we'd really hit a crossroads. Um, maybe if there was another game quickly afterwards, then you don't have as much time to reflect and, and think on um, on stuff. We mentioned earlier he was he was pretty honest. He was pretty scathing, to be fair, in his um, post-match comments. Um, let's give ourselves a reminder of what Lee Bullen said after the game on Saturday. It's, it's, it's not acceptable. Been at this football club long enough to know the demands of the support and the and the owner, and that's nowhere near acceptable. Uh, a performance, especially second half performance, uh, for for a club of this size. So, yeah, to say frustrated, disappointed, um, would be an understatement. One pace, lethargic, not enough, not moving the ball quick enough, uh, decision making. Two goals we lost. You wouldn't see in a primary school playground. Lack of communication. First half we had little spells. When we did decide to switch play and get it out to full backs who were our three men all day because they were playing a 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, whichever way you want to look at it. And then we can get a 2v1 down both sides. So on occasions we did that in the first half and that's when we got a little bit of play. Um, but we never done it enough. We never done it quick enough. And second half we never done it at all. I decided to go 4-4-2 today. Um, I felt, well up to prior to the game, I think we were second highest in the league with creating chances but we weren't taking the chances and I thought going 4-4-2 today at home offensive would would uh, would do a little bit better than take the opportunities but that never worked out so I'll accept responsibility for that decision okay so you I guess you can call it knee jerk maybe and I'm not entirely kind of sure where where I stand on the, all this to be honest but we've We've played six games, we've won three, we've lost three. Nine points from 18. It's about as average as you can... Well, it's bang average, isn't it? It really is. Way back when in the summer, just before the start of the season, we talked about that first six games and you kind of you want to sort of predict how many points you think or how many wins when you get from those. But you're looking at them thinking, well, in their own way, they're all winnable games. Three wins out of those six is... It's putting you on course for a real, just mid-table, very ordinary season, um, and that's. But should we expect anything else? Really, I, I don't. Let's let's go, let's go on the facts. Last two years, where have they finished? Mid-table. Absolutely. So, should we really expect any more than that from the group of players? Do you not feel that going into the season, the squad had been strengthened? Uh, I certainly did after the first few matches, and now I think there's some question marks over how much, how significantly they've strengthened, and has there been enough serious upgrades on what they had last season? Mm. Was it just a case of there was a strong reaction due to Steve Bruce taking over and the, his methods that he employed? And I think who knows? I, I, but you go. Let's go off the six matches. The two of the wins have been against newly promoted clubs. Yep. And the other one on the opening day at Reading was uh, against a side who are now much changed. And I think it would be, a, you know, they faced, let's face it, they played Reading at a good time. Yep. Uh, so I'm not taking it, or I am taking a bit away from Wednesday and getting the win. They still did the business and got the wins. And Preston, Millwall, two, I do think they're going to be two tough away matches for a lot of teams. Uh, in this league so it's no disgrace to lose to them both but saying that they still played over half a match against Millwall with you know 10 men v 11 yeah. should have done more yeah uh, and then 
of course, Saturday. And I think it's Saturday, that's the one that hurts, as that's what we go into a very long break now, um, stewing over. That's that's the one that's on our mind. Yep. Maybe if, if they ground out a win or if it was a better performance, then I think spirits and there'd be more optimism and I think everyone would be feeling a bit better about things than what they are right now. I think the, probably the key thing that you, that you touch on there is, but certainly the Millwall game, you, you can kind of talk about Wednesday being a bit unlucky, creating plenty of chances, generally playing well. Preston game, it, it was a bit slow in terms of the, the reaction and kind of getting back into the game. Um, then the QPR game was was just poor, and and that's that's the worry. You want the poor game to be the first one of the season, and you start improving and getting better. When you start well, and then things start to drop away, mm. that that's gonna that's yeah. gonna be a worrying trend. Because yeah. what what do you do? Where do you go after that? And 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 the situation that we're in. If Wednesday mm. had brought a new manager in before the start of the season, and their first six games had been three wins and three defeats, I don't think there'd be many fans saying, well, they've got to go, got to get rid of them after six games, because that would be really harsh. The situation that we're in, obviously, in terms of the fact that we haven't appointed a full-time manager, and that effectively it wouldn't be unusual for us now to to, you know, to move Lee Bullen aside and bring in someone because of the, you know, the caretaker situation that he's been in. Uh, automatically, kind of means that there's going to be people, you know, looking at that and, and pointing to that as being the uh, the solution. It, it it worries me though. Zero points from when we've fallen behind. We've only scored one goal when we've been behind. That we've talked about this kind of you know lack of Plan B, lack of Plan C, or Plan B and Plan C just not being very effective. That's carried to a fighting spirit, and uh, and like you say, I think have we seen enough evidence of that? At Preston, it was they threw the kitchen sink at them too little, too late yeah. in the last 20 minutes when Atty's come on and made a big difference. And I think the, the most alarming thing for me right now is the lack of creativity in this team. It, you look at QPR, two shots on target at home, yeah. that is nowhere near good enough. Uh, the home team, you should, yeah, the emphasis is on you to really go after the opposition and take it to them. And, yeah, that second half was one of... They sat back and they allowed QPR to take control. And Q and Preston, first half an hour, there was nothing in it. There wasn't until that penalty. But that was it. The reaction wasn't immediate. And then Preston have got a second and they've given themselves too much to do. And we're seeing it. You you look at the players that Wednesday had on the pitch on Saturday, and creativity just should not be a problem. It shouldn't be. No, there, there are players. You know, we we put in performances last season when we had massive injury problems, and um, you know, we we, you know, we, we we've played really uh, narrow in games in the last couple of seasons because we've just had no choice, and we've still managed to create more than when we're you know we're playing with what should be quite a free flowing. Yeah. Formation, except it was a little yeah. bit different on Saturday, with it being a little bit more four four two, which is just naturally a tad more rigid. Um, and look at the the bench it, it on Saturday shouldn't. as well, James. It's the same: Bates, Kieran Lee, Jacob Murphy, Massimo Luongo, Rhodes, Atty Nuyu. There should there's enough there. There's yeah. talent there. You know, they've got very few injuries at the moment of Wednesday. You've got Tom Lee's, Joe Wildsmith. That you know they've not been in this position the last few years. So again. No excuses. This is this is why I I can very much understand fans who are saying, look, maybe this is not the right time for Bullen. Maybe 
Um, he, he had that kind of, you know, the bull and bounce, if you like, um, for that first um, few games. If you actually look back at his record as caretaker manager at Wednesday, it has followed a bit of a pattern. Started quite strongly, um, kind of petered off and, and actually mm. resulted in, in some really weak performances. Each time he's been caretaker manager, there's been at least one really poor performance in, in there. We all remember the Burton yeah. one. You look at Brentford mm. away and, and, and there's there's other games as well where Wednesday just haven't really turned up. I thought, Q- sorry, I was going to say, a little bit like yeah, that on, I, on Saturday. I, I thought that a post-match Lee Bowen, that was eerily similar to Burton well, uh, in, his, in his language that he used, how he described the performance. Like you said, it was scathing he held nothing back you know saying it was unacceptable one-paced and uh, lethargic and uh, I mean the the most damning thing to say that they played like individuals and not as a collective yeah Uh, and he he was right and he hit the nail on the head but then you will of course get people turning around well that's your job to turn them into that well-oiled machine We've said before, we've we've got to be fair on Bullen because he's not got a lot of help at the moment. It's not a huge no. coaching staff. Yeah, and yeah. we know, uh, you know managers, any manager in the country, ultimately is as good as the staff that they've got behind them. And that's why also often when a manager moves teams, he takes his coaching staff with them because it's all about the relationship between, between those. Um, I thought the post-match interview was interesting. You may or may not have noticed this, but you know Lee Bullen was like tapping his hands on the desk quite a lot. Um, I thought his his body language was a bit dejected. Yeah, and and he has you know both times before where he's been caretaker manager, he has given those interviews where he's kind of said, look, someone needs to come in and sort this out sooner rather than later. Uh, in fact, I think last time yeah. his his, his actual did words were, yeah. um, you know, the sooner we get a, a new yeah. manager in, the better. He can't say yeah. that this time because obviously, you know, he wants the yeah. the job. He's going for the job, and I kind of feel like if that wasn't the situation, I could I could have imagined him saying that on Saturday, saying mm. someone needs to come in now and 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 sort this out because there's clearly work to do to to bring this group of players together and turn yeah. them into a team, which actually is exactly what Steve Bruce and his team did when they came in in similar circumstances last season. But one's reaction and response to uh, the, the line of questioning, you know, I, get, I, I threw a lot of tough stuff at him, as rightly so. It was a disappointing performance. Uh, and so you're going to get that. Um, and, but it, it did sort of feel a little bit like he knew deep down that maybe he's missed his opportunity, uh, and that it it might be, and you know that he can he realizes and he can maybe see it that it's getting away from him that uh, he saw that this was his big opportunity to get the job, and he knew how important that QPR game was, uh, and it wasn't just that they've lost; it was the manner of the yeah. performance. You, you touched on it a little bit earlier how it. it you, you could look at that performance and say it felt like maybe the players just weren't playing for him, you know, almost like they didn't want him to get the job. There is a chance of that, isn't there? There is a chance here that the players over the last few weeks have just thought, actually, do you know what? We need we need a bit more here. We need someone that's coming in that's got the experience and mm. and, and that it really has yeah. kind of slipped away from him. And um, The fact we, is, I do have sympathy. Now. Yeah, I, I do have sympathy for the players in that they're in limbo as much as Lee Bourne is right now. There needs to be clarity uh, uh, and, and a decision made uh, on the direction that this club is going in. There does, whether it's Lee Bourne has got the job until the end of the season 
or they're going down a different path. But either way, I think now this international break, it is the perfect time to come to a decision on the way forward. We're now into September. There are 40 matches left. There's a long way to go. But if Wednesday are going to challenge for the top six, I don't think this level of uncertainty that we've got right now is conducive to a team who are, have got designs and aspirations to be successful. Yeah, completely agree. It's it's, it's no good to anyone. Um, and it, it does seem like, you know, the, the book seems to be open yeah. again after a few weeks where it's been closed in terms of there's been very little talk about, you know, kind of potential managers or anything uh, in, in, in that sense. And then suddenly, very quickly, straight, pretty much straight after the QPR game, there were names being banded about again. Um, first up then, Tony Pulis is, is linked, well, linked again because he was he was very much, you know, there right at the, at the start of all this. And then... Um, Earlier in the week, it kind of looked like the job might be his, but then it's kind of quietened down since. Um, the last 24 to 48 hours, huge talk of Danny Cowley from Lincoln. He sounded like he kind of distanced himself a little last night, although, you know, as Wednesday fans and hearing what Steve Bruce said during the friendly, which I think was against Lincoln, <laughs> actually, wasn't it? Um, probably, you know, right to just maybe take that with a pinch of salt. Um, what can you tell us? He's to, he, as he said after the Doncaster Rovers EFL Trophy match uh, yesterday, uh, Danny Cowley uh, confirmed that there was contact that was made by Huddersfield. I'd been told actually over the weekend that it looked as if he was going to Huddersfield, uh, but it, it, you know he's turned them down uh, and it sort of gave the pretty bog standard answers that you would expect from a manager and reiterating his commitment to Lincoln. The fact is that Danny Cowley has been on Wednesday's radar from the very beginning. Uh, as soon as Steve Bruce left, uh, he was you know in that sort of top five, six names that, that you know, went of Wednesday's shortlist or of managers that they were keeping an eye on and have been impressed with his work. And you can't get away from his pedigree. Right, two promotions yeah. in the last three seasons. They're second in League One. Uh, he is a rising young manager, and uh, you, you know you're looking out there and you're thinking, uh, I, I could definitely see the point of view of plenty of Wednesday fans who are looking at it and thinking, if, the, if Danny Cowley came in, that it would be one of the most progressive appointments that I think the club have made in years, and and I would go along with that. I really do. That um, his managerial stock is very high right now uh, and it would also show a lot of ambition if you if they went for Danny Cowley you know, he's got a compensation figure of one million uh, that Huddersfield had triggered over the weekend uh, and so fair enough you know Wednesday got compensation themselves for Steve Bruce when he went to Newcastle so I suppose you could argue and go there's that money there and available to use to get Danny Cowley out or so if that's never really been an issue if Wednesday want to go for a manager that's in work out of work in terms of the money side uh, I think we all know that Wednesday's chairman Dave Ponchanceri uh, will back his managers that's what he does mm -hmm. um, and we've seen that time and time again over the years uh, so yeah uh, right now I mean it, it's one of those where the interest has always been there in Danny Cowley, uh, but where it leads um, remains to be seen. Interesting that you, you use the word progressive in there. and I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying it'd be a progressive uh, appointment. 
I, I think one thing that we'd all need to get our heads around as Wednesday fans, if Danny Cowley does come to Wednesday, is that it's very much with you know an eye on the future, and it's going to take him a while, certainly a transfer window, probably a few, and, and, and a few other things that he'll need to do to kind of get things how he wants. Um, when when you're bringing bringing Lincoln out of non-league, um, it, it's totally it's a different ball game. It's such a different level of, of football. But uh, at Wednesday, a lot of managers have found, and you know, I look back at, at managers that came here, people like Brian Laws and uh, Chris Turner, who were you know top of their respective leagues at the time that they left their clubs and came to Wednesday, and they never really achieved in the way that. Wednesday fans thought that they would because this is a club with with such pressure and it tends to be such immediate pressure. We've we've really got to adjust as a fan base to the fact that if we bring in Danny Cowley, it's a longer term project. It has to be. Right? I think really whoever the manager is, James, in the future, Wednesday are operating differently. We've just seen it in the transfer window. One million for Massimo Luongo. The rest are free transfers and loans. Right? The big the days of the big money and the spending. We, I think for the time being, they're over or they're certainly on the back burner. And so uh, resources aren't going to be massive in terms of uh, what they're going to be spending, uh, I don't think, in the next few transfer windows. But I I completely agree with your point that uh, I think whoever the new man is and and whatever direction Wednesday go in, you need to be given time and patience and understand that this squad still needs a lot of work and it could it could take not just one, not just two transfer windows, it could take three. And I'm not saying write this season off, but I'm j- you're looking at it realistically. Wednesday are already seven points off Swansea City at the top after six matches, right? Forget about top two. That's not going to happen. They're not good enough for that. Playoffs, possibility, if they went on a really good run and then maybe... In January, a few reinforcements. I wouldn't rule that out. Is this squad capable of it? Yeah, I think so. But there's still then that big question mark over consistency. And and over the last two years, they haven't delivered it anywhere near enough. I I I really I hear what you're saying. I feel so. There's been two names in the picture this week. Um, now I don't know if you know the Tony Pulis thing really kind of you know roared up out of nowhere after the weekend and then very quickly kind of sort of went very quiet again but I, I don't think that he'd get time from the Wednesday fan base I don't think Wednesday fans would see Tony Pulis as being an appointment for the future that feels like a short-term fix appointment if that was a direction that Wednesday but people in. did say the so same probably about Steve Bruce as well I think probably, there was an element of yeah that. probably um I know what you're saying. When you're looking I just at Tony think you've Pulis, got two such different names in the frame there. Yeah. To- the Tony Pulis route and the Danny Cowley route are, are quite different, and I think they get different responses from the Wednesday fan base, yeah. and quite rightly different responses. Yeah. People would give Danny Cowley time because they see, you know, long term, if he can turn this into, you know, his project in the way that he's done with Lincoln, then great. You know, there's a real benefit for for Wednesday. And naturally, you're going to look at someone like I've got to say it, Chris Wilder at United. Who you know was was successful with a much smaller team, yeah. but was able to transfer that onto a bigger scale with with Sheffield United. You look at Danny Cowley as being you know a similar sort of appointment, yeah. and, and it might yeah. take a year or two to get it right. Where, where I, but Tony Pulis yeah. doesn't fit into that category. Well, uh, you see, the point that I uh, get where you're coming from on Pulis is that I don't think he would necessarily get the time that's required. 
because of the style of football. Whereas Danny yeah. Cowley, uh, we know that from Lincoln, most yeah, most reports he's earned rave reviews from playing attractive brand of football, and that you know that they mix it, but they will also try and get the ball on the floor and play in the right way. Whereas Tony Pulis uh, has this tag of long ball, direct, and and frankly, I, I look at Wednesday's squad, and I don't actually think it's it's not tailor made for a Tony Pulis team. I don't think really that if that was the style of football if Tony Pulis came in. Uh, I, I don't think he'd be able to play that anyway with this group of players. Uh, but Tony Pulis could come in and, yeah I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, instant results, people would look at that. But then, by the same token, whoever comes in, they can't do anything with this squad until January. The window is shut, so we've got another 15 to 18 league matches, whatever it is now, nearly the best part of half a season. And you've got to work with this group, work with this with these players coach them and try and make them better so these are all the things that Wednesday's hierarchy they've got to weigh up it would it wouldn't just be the most Sheffield Wednesday thing in the world for us after after waiting so many years to actually get a couple of genuine out and out wingers in to then bring in Tony Pulis as manager which takes them straight out of the um straight out of the team um if if you were a, it, it feels a little bit like we could be chatting about Brexit here because it's like you know such a a pivotal time over the next few days. If you were a betting man, wh- who do you think will be in charge come the um, you know Huddersfield game? You know what what how romantic would that be? You really putting me sitting, on the spot, sitting right? there in the dugout was Danny Cowley against the team that he just turned down a couple of weeks before. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, mate. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, this is going to sound like I'm sitting on the fence, and I am a little bit, but I, I couldn't call it. I really couldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if Lee Bowen was still in charge. But then again, we, you know how quickly things can change and move in football. It wouldn't shock me at all if there was a new man in, in charge. Uh, and I keep going back to the point that we've been saying. I, I think one way or another, there has to be clarity and there has to be a decision made in this international break. It timing wise, it just feels right and I feel as if something has to be done and that the there needs to be a decision. Um I, I from the outside looking in, I get the impression sometimes that, you know, if there's stuff happening behind the scenes at the club that, you know, they're quite happy for kind of news to trickle out to the media and for them to kind of, you know, kind of have an idea of what's going on. And then sometimes they very much want to keep their cards close to the chest, and it kind oh, I think of feels we've that it's it's that well, kind of situation whereby the the club are really keeping this on the on the deal. I think if there's one thing that we've learned throughout the Dave Ponchancery era, era is that uh, you can never second guess the chairman. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, he he likes being unpredictable, and so nothing is done un- until there is an announcement. Right, um, we'll we will see what happens. Uh, on to Alpinions then. So last week it was it was all about the big man Atty knew you. So Bully described him as a love hate figure. So we wanted to settle that one: love or hate. Now um, I've got to mention we are recording much earlier than usual this week, so the vote is actually still live. However, it is a bit of a landslide. It's currently at eighty-two percent saying love. Um, 
a few asking for a middle ground option, saying they neither love him or hate him. Well, that that wasn't that wasn't on the uh, agenda. <laughs> Bullen didn't say love, hate, or you know, indifferent about. Um, lots of other comments. Uh, Priory Owl saying love him for what he is, a good late sub, nothing more, nothing else. At Aaron Johnson, we'll miss him when his time comes to an end. Kerry Massey thinks he could have salvaged something for us at Millwall because defenders just don't know what to do with him. Um, James Vernon better when he has something to prove. So when he's on the bench or after a new contract, of course that situation will be uh, will be coming up as we get towards the end of the season. Uh, David Carrish doesn't hate him, just doesn't think that he's very good. Um, I've I've kind of uh, changed the wording of that. Uh, to uh, an extent uh, James Mappin when New You puts in a 10 out of 10 it would only be a 7 out of 10 for Fletcher but he does add something uh, what else we've got Old Mike doesn't understand why fans love him Andy McElwin says he's light years better than Rhodes and Winall ooh I think Rhodes would uh, be unhappy at that Andy Young good character to have around the club uh, who else Stevie P doesn't think anyone hates him just wishes his good move, good moments were a bit more frequent and Daft Penguin says he's the king of football enough said there we go last word to daft penguin uh, this week dom it's international break so i'm not doing like a you know club versus country thing here but i had a look earlier at players who've won the most caps for their country while playing for wednesday the top four nigel worthington who got 50 caps for northern ireland while at hillsborough ron springett 33 for england roland nielsen 31 for sweden and john sheridan 29 for the republic of ireland now i think that's a very worthy top four oh, I'm absolutely sure, yeah. i'm sure you'll agree um so my question is this who's the best wednesday player past or present to have never played for their country mm. um i had a bit of a look earlier so i've got I was trying to get one. I ended up with three here to kind of get things moving. So I'm going to start you off with Paul Warhurst. Oh, he was an absolute goal machine in his time. And he was picked. He was in an England squad. And story of Paul Warhurst's um, career, ultimately, he picked up an injury and had to drop out and never, never then featured for um, for England. That was that. Uh, another one, and I really can't believe this guy was never never included in an England team at any point. Dalian Atkinson never played yeah, for uh, for England. He was great for Wednesday, yeah. went on, did great things at, at Villa after a spell abroad. And the third one, Paolo Di Canio. Never played for uh, never played for Italy. Wow, yeah. Uh, mind you, they had some very good forwards. Yeah, they did. In and the uh, sort of uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, they were spoiled for choice up front, so it's quite difficult for yeah Di Canio to get in there. I think if you ask most people, they'll probably go, "Oh yeah, he got a few caps." You'd kind of assume that he'd have picked. Yeah, you still would have thought. I, I I can't remember. He must have been in. Was he in a few squads? Would he have been in that? Possibly. 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 Yeah. yeah, I thought he would have been knocking on the door. Certainly. Yeah, when he was in his pomp at Wednesday, yeah. Um, anyone that you want to throw into the... No, I think those are three... Yeah, like you say, I, I, it's uh, the Daily Atkinson one's a bit of a surprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, Paul Warhurst, that, that's just one of those where... It's, it was injuries, wasn't it? That yeah. was The ability was always there. Um, and he, he's, all, he's one of them who's remembered so fondly by the fans and that just yeah. that ability to play in multiple positions but then particularly when he went up front and he was banging him in at one point. Well, is that, it was that season, wasn't yeah. it, where everyone remembers where he scored in a ridiculous number of games in a row and, you know, Wednesday just were just winning game after game after game. It looked like it was going to be an amazing season ultimately, you know, 
you know really kind of resulted in, in nothing ultimately but um still you know just just an amazing time to um to follow Wednesday he's kind of the one that got away a little bit Paul Warhurst when it comes to England but also you know he played for England he scored for England as well but David Hurst never yeah. realized his no. potential when it comes to an international level and that's one of those you know whatever Wednesday fans might think about him now it's a real travesty that Hursty never ultimately got the chance to show what he could do on on that on that level. No, yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, to score what was it, hundred and seventy odd goals for Wednesday, and then to only end up making, I think, just a couple of appearances for England. Yeah, yeah, re, re, you know, crying shame, really. Uh, just considering how how good he was, but again, I would throw out there and say that the the depth of England's striking talent at that point w- was still fairly decent and pretty good. Uh, in in the modern day, David Hurst would be in the England squad each and every week and probably would have yeah. made 30 caps, 20, 30 caps by now. Scary, isn't it? I wonder what yeah. it'd be worth in um, in Oh, and yeah, never mind how much it'd be worth, yeah. <laughs> More than Jordan Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, right, okay, over to you then. Tell us what you think. We will use some of your thoughts next week. Uh, join in the conversation using the hashtag Alpinions on Twitter. You can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott and contact the show at Dom and James. Big thank you to our gold sponsor, Taito Law, who you can find at Taito Law. .co.uk. That's just about it. Thank you for joining us. As ever, please let us have your feedback on the show. We do appreciate your reviews as well. And if you subscribe to us free in your podcast app of choice, then you get the new episode every week. Please check the show notes for details of how you can become a Singing the Blues supporter. Up the owls and see you next Friday. (laughs) 